Press Church. I'm Krista Hoff. We have our e-bulletin available online with links to our Connect form and website. You can access this by opening the camera app on your iPhone or Android device and pointing it at the QR code on the screen. If you're new with us today, we are so glad you've joined us. Please connect with us by going to presschurch.tv or by snapping the QR code with your device and clicking on the I'm new link. This is not a commitment to anything, but an opportunity for us to support you and thank you for joining us. Press Youth will be meeting at Scene 75 in Dublin next week, Sunday, May 22nd. Each student needs to bring $30 for the event and food will be provided. The gathering will last from 4.30 to 7.30 p.m. and parents will need to pick up and drop off at Scene 75. Each Monday night from 6 to 8.15 p.m., we partner with the Dream Center in Delaware to deliver groceries to families in need. We build relationships with these families and grow in our own faith as we serve others. You can volunteer once or twice a month or even weekly. To find out how you can participate, please contact Pastor Jason at jason.allison at presschurch.tv. If you'd like to join Press Church in making a difference in this community, there are four ways you can support us financially. If you're visiting a campus in person, there's a box at the back exit of the worship center where you can drop your support as you leave. If you would prefer to send a check, please send it to 8794 Big Bear Avenue, Powell, Ohio, 43065. The easiest way to give is by visiting our website or texting any amount to the number 84321. Let's celebrate everything God has given us and support the community both locally and globally. Now let's prepare to engage what God has for us today. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Press Church. My name is Sean Lee, and I'm lead pastor here. For those of you who are joining us for the first time, we're so glad that you're here. And for everyone joining us online, uh, welcome as well. Uh, I missed you guys last week. I was out, and so Pastor Jason filled in for me, and I was I was able to watch online while I was driving through the mountains of West Virginia on my way back home. And it's great. Being able to watch online is, is awesome, so I was glad that I was able to join you guys. Jason did a a great job. Uh, And if you haven't gotten to, if you weren't here or didn't get to watch it, go back and listen. It was a a really great message. Uh, Before we dig in too far today, I want to make sure and recognize our graduates. So it's graduation time. So we've got some graduates. And uh, for the graduates that are in press, come and find me after service. I've got a little uh, little gift bag for you. But uh, I just want to recognize you. Great job. Great job, right? For all the graduates, we clap for all the graduates. It's a, it's a big milestone. It feels like a long time ago. How many of you are in here? It's like, yeah, it's been like 20 years since I graduated. Feels kind of long ago. It's a little weird. It's a little weird, but uh, it's, a, it's an interesting time. It's a very formative time uh, in life, getting out, leaving something, starting something new, uh, you know, learning who you are, learning how the world works. 
even more. Um, so before we go on, I do want to say a prayer for all, all of our graduates. So let's, let's bow our heads. God, we thank you um, for the graduates uh, in our congregation. And Lord, we pray a special protection over them. Uh, we pray that as they are moving into a new phase of life, that they are seeking you. And we pray that you will give them your wisdom and your guidance, God. Um, and that as they, as they go on to whatever is next, that, that they keep you first, God. That they, they seek you uh, and, and make you a priority. Uh, and that no matter what happens, no matter the stresses or the anxieties or uh, just the uh, potential fear from change, God, we pray that they would feel your presence. And we pray that uh, both this church and their families can be a support to them. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, so we've got a lot to cover today. Uh, I'm not going to talk too much before the video, which if you're new with us, every week we have a pastor's video. Uh, the other pastors in our congregation, we get together, we talk through. But today is really all about what happens when we make mistakes in our relationships. What do we do? It's bound to happen. Uh, what do we do with mistakes? How do we deal with them? So let's watch the video from today. Relationships would be way easier if it weren't for other people. <laughs> can you just leave so that I can make this relationship yeah. work? <laughs> so we've talked about it before. It's uh, like Soylent Green. Yeah. It's, it's people. people. <laughs> you can become cynical about people because, you know, people are broken. I mean, we, we've all been hurt in some way or another, and so we're, we're bringing in those past hurts into our, like, if, you, if you've if you had someone betray you, you're going into that relationship with, with that pain, mm -hmm. <laughs> and so you're going to act a certain way as well. We don't know what everybody else has gone through. Right. Yeah, but what do you do within the context of a relationship when someone has mistaked you? Right. <laughs> Well, I think that's the problem, is we want to categorize a relationship, and we want to call it, like, the relationship is trash, right? right. So it's it's mistaken. It was a mistake to get involved in that, right? Yeah. And um, th that's the wrong approach, yeah. okay? And I'll say that's the wrong approach because we can take a look at, let's say, Jesus with... Uh, his disciples, right? And so bringing got, Jesus into it I know, it again. every time, Sierra's got to bring up Jesus. <laughs> and so, you got Judas, right? Right. And so, would Jesus have called that a mistaken relationship? Hmm. Yeah, were mistakes made in the relationship? Yes. Yeah. Were they made by Jesus? No. <laughs> but, uh, were, were, were mistakes made? Yes. But was it a mistaken relationship? And I think that's the problem we fall into. We want to categorize our relationships... We want we want to critically evaluate every relationship we have in our life, based off of whether or not it turns out the way we want it to turn out. Yeah. And that's not the how one should judge a relationship. Yeah. That isn't the type of relationship Scripture is calling us into. It, 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 we're actually in for the hard stuff. Um, at least that's what Scripture is calling us into. Now, do we have the capacity to deal with it? I would say no. Depends. <laughs> I would say for the most part, no. It requires supernatural intervention yeah. for us to really be able to to engage hard relationships. Mm -hmm. um, and we're going to fail. Yeah. You know, we're broken people and we're in relationships with broken people and they're going to not go well. So you're saying all the time, certainly. You're saying there's no such thing as a broken, as a mistaken relationship. 
Well, uh, you that could be your takeaway, right? So, um, and I think on a certain level, you, you could say that. If you're trying to look at it through a biblical lens, mm-hmm. um, then I would say, yeah, there isn't uh, a mistaken relationship, even ones that end terribly. Um, but that's more nuanced and it requires a lot of unpacking and understanding through a biblical lens, not a worldly lens. Right. Well, I mean, when I am in a relationship with someone and they betray me or they do something that hurts me, it's really hard to not consider the whole relationship a mistake. Yeah. I mean, it's just hard. I don't know what else to say about it. Yeah, that's the natural reaction. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. You know, why, why wouldn't you? And, and a lot of times there's blame and shame involved in that. Yeah. You, oh, you blame yeah. the other person. You blame yourself. You take on shame because how could I have been so blind? Right. 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 And um, all of these things are where evil works its way in and does damage. Right. Yeah. I mean, there is a war that's at play here. And the ultimate goal of evil is to turn you inside on yourself, you know, to to mess with your identity to such a level that you don't think you're worth anything. Mm-hmm. And that's when you get into the blame and shame area, that's what happens. Yeah. The mistakes that you make within the context of a relationship don't necessarily make that relationship a mistake. That's correct. So the question is, what do you do when mistakes are made in the relationship? In the relationship. Right. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. I run from them. Cut it off. All right, so I, uh, I, tr- I try to be a fairly optimistic person. I feel like I'm a fairly optimistic person. Um, and I think that most of us try to do good, right? We try to be good people. We try to do good things. We try to pe- treat people uh, well. Um, but yet it, 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 does, it never fails. We, we still make mistakes. I, Pastor Sean, I make mistakes. I'm human. I screw up. Ask my wife. You know what I mean? Ask people who are close to me. I make mistakes. I, I, I do stupid things. And I can hurt people. And, and as Jason said, you know, what do we do when there's been mistakes in relationships? When you've been hurt or you've hurt somebody else? Um, I'm going to point us to, to Matthew today. So if you have your Bibles and you're going to open them today, you're going to be in Matthew chapter 18. Uh, it's the first book in the New Testament. So if you're, if you're looking, Matthew. Um, and we're going to work through a conversation that Jesus had with his uh, disciples. But before digging into that, I want to look at a little bit before the verses that we're going to be in and see uh, some of what Jesus is talking about. The beginning of chapter 18 starts with an interesting question uh, from his disciples. His disciples come to him and they ask him this question, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? So imagine you're Jesus. And your disciples who've been following you, they come to, and they're asking, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? There's a part of me that thinks Jesus is like, why did I choose these guys? Like, really? Like, have, has nothing I've been talking about gotten to you? Like, you're worried about who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. It's like, I'm, I think I'm reconsidering <laughs> my disciples at this point. But instead of giving just a straight answer, he goes and he, he sees a little kid. He goes, hey, you. He says, come here. So he's this little kid, and this kid comes, you know, comes around there. He says, truly I tell you, unless you become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. 
Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And it's like, it, it, some of us will look at them and be like, wait, I won't enter the kingdom of heaven unless I'm like a child. What, what, is, what does that mean? You get all worried and you're like, how do I do this? But I think this is, this is the beautiful way of Jesus just like going at you and saying, what do you think about, how do you think of yourself and how do you think of others? Are you raising yourself to a position higher or are you, are you humble? And we see Jesus challenging the, that, that view. How do you see yourself? How do you see others? It's similar to Jason's message last week, talking about labels. We put labels on people. We judge them and we act out of these labels. It ties to our first week message about our new self and our old self, and we're finding this new identity in Christ, which is at the core, this process, seeing ourselves as servants, seeing ourselves as not the greatest and the most powerful, but as someone who's there to serve and be humble. It's part of this process. I mentioned that in the first week. We're in this process. And Jesus knows. If you, if you work through chapter 18, you see, you see him addressing what happens when you hurt people. What happens, don't, you know, don't hurt people. Don't do these things. But if something happens, here how, here's how to reconcile. And you see Jesus knowing, like, even in this process of you becoming like me, even in this process of you learning this new life in Christ, you're probably going to mess up. You're probably going to screw up. And here's what I want. This is like the pinnacle, like, you know, be humble, be a servant, but know that in the process, we're probably going to hurt people. And at this point, this is where we're going to start. We see Peter ask Jesus a question. So Jesus has worked through this stuff, you know, who's the greatest and humble yourself. And here's how to, you know, someone hurts you. Here's some things to do. And Peter comes to Jesus and asks this question. This is 18 verse 21 and 22. Peter says, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. So what we've done for you guys today, we've created a PDF, and it's got 77 check, check boxes that as you work through your relationships, you can start counting 77. What? Isn't that... Isn't that what he means? Like, he gave us a real, 77 times, right? Isn't that what he meant? <laughs> we, like to, we like to do that with scripture, right? We, we see something and now it's like, oh, I have to, all right, I'm going to start counting 77 times because that must be what Jesus meant, right? The number seven is, is interesting. In that time, that number seven communicated a sense of fullness or completeness, completeness. And so to me, when I see Peter asking this, it's kind of like, well, surely seven times should be enough. You know, how many times? Seven, right? That's a healthy number. We also like to know the limits of things, right? As a pastor, you get these people, hey, am I allowed to, how much am I allowed to drink? Like, like what's tipsy or what's drunk? You know, like what's the, like we, we want to know like what we can get away with. So, you know, Peter's like, is it seven times? Is it, what's, what's the limit? What's, what's, the, what's, the, what's the right thing? How long am I supposed to do this hard stuff before I can just do what we're used to doing? And yet again, Jesus gives an answer that makes them work through their misconceptions. It makes them work through what they actually think about it. Similar to the, the who's the greatest in the kingdom, he, he grabs a little kid, and they're like, wait, what? 
77 times. Whoa, what? How do we do that? So as we talk about forgiveness, and before I jump into what forgiveness like looks like and is, I want to work through what forgiveness isn't. What forgiveness isn't. I think a lot of times in church we have this idea that forgiveness is like, well, you just let anybody do anything to you, and you say it's okay, and you just, no. No, that's, that's not biblical. That's not true. That's not anything. And so we're going to work through some of this stuff. First, forgiveness is not excusing someone's actions. That's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is not saying, it's okay what you did to me. That's it's not. It's not doing that. Second, forgiveness is not forgetting. You guys know the, the, you know, the, the phrase, forgive and forget? No. That's unhealthy. That's bad. That's not good. Because here's what happens. When you say forgive and forget, you're now min- minimizing what happened. You're minimizing maybe what happened to you or what you did to somebody else. Are you that person? Oh, just forgive and forget, man. I didn't mean to do You're minimizing that pain. You're minimizing that hurt. So it's not forgetting. But think about it for a second. If I tell you to forget about something, how likely are you to forget about it? Don't think about food. Don't think about lunch. I probably just messed myself because now you guys are going to be thinking about lunch the whole time. But you get it. Like, thinking not to think, you're thinking about it. You know what I'm saying? So you can't force yourself to forget something anyways, so it's, it's dumb, okay? Forgive and forget is not, is not healthy. Forgetting is not permitting further abuse. Not permitting further abuse. We're not called to be doormats. We're not called to be rugs that just get walked and trampled over. You know, I, I talked about earlier in, the, in this chapter, Jesus is talking about when somebody sins against you or when someone does something against you, the whole process is about bringing people into that situation. You go to them and you talk about the offense, and if they don't, if they don't say they're sorry, if they don't show repentance, then you, you take another person in that community and your friends and you come together. And it's all about not being alone. It's, it's all about not being by yourself, having to find, and it's, it's in, within your community. And I think the tough thing about all this is there's so much, so much about forgiveness and reconciliation can get, uh, can get skewed and can get really unhealthy really quick. And so if, if you are in an environment of abuse, <laughs> get out of that, okay? Like, that's, that's not healthy, that's not good. Forgiveness is not letting abuses continue. And the last thing I'll say, I just, I just mentioned this, but forgiveness is not reconciliation. Reconciliation takes two people. It takes two people who are willing to come together and work through something that has happened. Forgiveness is not that. I'm not saying reconciliation is bad. Reconciliation is great, but it takes two people, and forgiveness is not reconciliation. Um, If you're interested, there's a book that talks through some of the stuff. It's actually part of a chapter, but the book called The Art of Forgiving is by Lewis Smedes. If you're interested, great book on forgiveness. Uh, and, And he references some of these things and even more of what, you know, just digging into biblical forgiveness. It's 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 great. Also, something that I want to say, if you are in an abusive relationship or in something 
whether it's physically, emotionally, some unhealthy relationship, please uh, let us know or let somebody help you. I've got, so I've got the pastor's email addresses and I put Chrissy on there as well for you know, ladies, if you wanna reach out to her, I mean, not that you can't reach out to us, but obviously if it's sensitive, I know Chrissy is more than happy to talk, but if you're, if you're in a relationship or in something that's unhealthy, like we don't want you to be in that. Like that's not good. And a lot of times what happens is you, you get quiet, you hide it and there's shame, please like, as I work through forgiveness, I know that there's probably a lot of, um, there's a lot of landmines talking about forgiveness just because of our past and things that have happened. But if you are in a, in a situation like that, please feel free to reach out to us. So what does Jesus think about forgiveness? This is where we're going to continue in Matthew chapter 18. And so right after he answers Peter and says 77, he works and starts into a story. And so let's, this is uh, verses 23 through 35, and this is Jesus talking, he says, therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. That's like, it's a lot, okay? Like years and years and years and years of wages, okay? Since he was not able to pay the master, to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to pay, to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in, you wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't have you had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In his anger, the master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brothers or sisters from your heart. So we talked about what forgiveness isn't. Let's look at what forgiveness is. At the basic level, forgiveness is, means to release or to let go. We see that in the story. He let go, he released this debt. And, and they use debt in terms of a story. I think it's something that we can all understand and acknowledge, this idea of debt. There's this debt that you release or you let go of. I came across the a quote from C.S. Lewis, and it's from Mere Christianity. I think, I mean, it's, it's, it's a great quote. And it says this, that everyone thinks forgiveness is a lovely idea until he had something to forgive. So if you're the first person who had your debts forgiven, awesome, yes. Thank you so much. It means, it means man, that weight, oh, that's awesome. And yet, how quickly he was to go back and not forgive someone else's debt. We like the idea when it's for us, 
not so much when it's somebody else. Not so much when it's somebody else. We like that. And so my first point is this. Forgiveness is a choice. You can choose to forgive. It's a choice. They both had choices in this story. The master had a choice. He chose to forgive. The other guy came in. He did not decide to forgive. And there's something I want to point out at the end of this story. It says at the, that last verse, it says, unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. And I want, I want to get to that for a little bit, that section of your heart about, about in, in conjunction with choice. Because when we think of heart, we think of feeling, right? Like in, in the way that we, in our, our society, when you think of heart, it's like an emotion like, or the, the feeling of things. You've got your head, which is like the intellectual, the thought thing, and then you've got your heart, which is kind of the emotional side of things. And so we could see forgiveness as just like, oh, well, just, it's just a feeling. You just kind of feel forgiveness. But, but that's not what's happening here. The, the disciples wouldn't have read it or heard it this way. There's actually no word for brain in the Bible. I just found that out this week. There's no word for brain in the Bible. And so when they're talking about heart, when you see heart in the Bible, it almost combines these two that we would think of as head and heart. It's, it's the idea of both, you know, choice and feeling. Thought and, and emotions and will combined. And so forgiveness isn't just a feeling. It's kind of all-encompassing. It's this, it's this will side of I am going to forgive. It's a, it's a choice. There's a guy by the name of Tim Mackey. He does the Bible Project stuff, and he says it's a choice that becomes a feeling. Has ever anybody interacted with that before? Like, you, you know, it's like, I, I should do this. I need to forgive. And it's a choice that you give, and you don't really feel it right away. And, and sometimes you, st you still have to work through it. Like, in and of itself, it's a process. It's like, I'm, I'm deciding to do this. I don't quite like it yet. And it's this, this process of working through that. And, and we can talk about forgiveness, but it's pretty clear. Forgiveness isn't easy. It's, it's, it's not natural. I'll say that. What's natural is for you to get what you deserve. Especially, you know, again, when somebody else, going back to the C.S. Lewis quote, when it's somebody else, mm, they get what they deserve. But yet for us, what do we want? We want that mercy. We want that forgiveness. But it goes against our nature. It's like it tears at you. And, and here's the tough thing about talking about forgiveness, because I don't know every single story in here. And, and someone who's going to be watching, I, I, can't, I can't know everything. I can know my hurts and my past and who've hurt me and the people that I've hurt, but I don't know your story. And so you could be hearing forgiveness today, and you're like, this is this is crap. I don't need, this is ridiculous. You don't know what's happened to me. You don't know my pain. You don't know my trauma. You don't know any of this. Are you telling me I have to forgive that person? And I, like I said, I, I, I hesitate to speak directly to any of your personal experiences, but I can say this, that we, we can see that forgiveness matters to God. There's something about forgiveness that is important to the heart of God. And so, yes, it goes against our nature, and yes, it's hard, but there's something, there's something good there. 
And my second point is this, in order to forgive, something inside us has to change. I think we can feel that, right? It's so easy not to forgive. It doesn't take energy not to forgive. It's natural. That's just like, okay, <laughs> they don't deserve it. I'm not doing that. Like, something inside us has to change. And this is where, this is where we, we, we need God. <laughs> like, you need God in your life. Because our go-to isn't to forgive. Our go-to is to hold things against people and, and have this, you know, they, des they deserve it mentality. In Luke chapter 17, Jesus is talking about forgiveness again. And this is verse 4 and 5. He, sa he says this, he says, even if that person wrongs you seven times a day and each time turns again and asks for forgiveness, you must forgive. Whew. Really? Again, I, wait, you just said it's not about being a doormat and not about what, is, what does Jesus mean? But I love, I love the response because the, the apostle said, Lord, show us how to increase our faith. I feel that, like help. God, I need your help. If I'm gonna forgive somebody, I need your help. It takes faith to forgive somebody because now you are resting on God's economy and this kingdom of God mentality instead of this, this world idea. Because in the world we live in, it's about, you know, well, you owe me and, and I'm gonna protect myself and I have to be on top and I have to guard myself and, and forgiveness feels vulnerable and, and it can real quickly get to a point where you're like, I'm not even gonna engage this. This is too complex, this is too difficult. Like, I don't wanna forgive somebody and I'm, so I'm not. And yet Jesus is talking about forgiveness, and he brings up forgiveness. And, and again, I don't, I don't see that, that verse in Luke as like, okay, we'll count, you know, seven times. And it, but it's, it, there's a heart there of like living a life that's, that's able to, to give forgiveness really the way that we would want forgiveness. How do you want to be forgiven? How do you want people to treat you when you've hurt them? You may be familiar with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us our daily bread. Or sorry, on earth's name. Oh my gosh. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this daily bread. Oh my gosh, I should have written this down. I was like going, it's probably because I was so worried about the verses that are going to be coming later that I, so there gets to a point about forgiveness. And now it's recorded for the rest of time. <laughs> Pastor Sean screwed up the Lord's Prayer. So there's a part about forgiveness Forgive us our debts or our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. We remember the first part, some of us. <laughs> but we forget that part. Not me. I remember that part. We like the idea of God forgiving us. We like the idea of God's mercy and grace and forgiveness in our own lives. And yet, 
So many times we see in scripture talking about as you forgive. You are forgiven, forgiven as you forgive. And we don't make that a common part in our life. We don't make that a common habit of the fact that you're willing to forgive people who, who hurt us. And I think for each of us, there's probably certain events in our lives that are very extreme, traumatic, tough, nuanced uh, things that have happened that, you know, the idea of forgiveness, there's going to be a lot of work that needs to happen there. But on the, in the day-to-day life, in our day-to-day life with our coworkers, with our church friends, with our families, how are we applying this? How are we applying forgiveness into, the da- into our daily routines? And that's really where I think, you know, when we talk about scripture, sometimes we go to this, like, you know, very extreme situation, and we miss just the, the day-to-day. Like, when I come home, and I'm tired, and I say something, you know, that's not the nicest thing to my kids or my wife, like, am I asking for forgiveness? Or if I come home, and, I've, and I have a short temper, and my wife does something to me, am I willing to give to forgive her over something small. Again, it's like these small things. A family member who, there's some issues there. Are we, are we leading with forgiveness? Or are we leading with asking for forgiveness? Like, are we making this a, a key piece of our lives? Because it's in the Lord's prayer. It's like it's something that, he, that was important enough for him to say, like, you know, all right, I'm going to hit some of the main things. And forgiveness is one of them. And I think, I mean, I don't fully know the mind of Christ. That's something I'm always trying to know more of. But it's like, I think it's important to him. I think it's something that we should take note of in our relationships. And so when we're talking about forgiveness, and this is, this is my last point, is that Forgiveness is giving others the same grace that God gives us. Now, realize we, we can never fully give grace the way that God gives us grace, all right? We, we are not God, okay? But the heart of the grace that he gives us, I think, and I see, you know, in Scripture, we are called to reflect that. We are called to embody that. That in our relationships, and in our interactions with people, God wants us to, to, to give grace. And he knows we're going to need it. He knows we're going to mess up. He knows there's going to be some issues. And like I said, we know it's not easy. I was thinking about it. You know, as, as, I, as I work through this, obviously this was an extremely hard message to work through because I have to work through unforgiveness in my own heart. And I also have to think about people that I have hurt. And, and that's it's tough to work through when you know you've hurt somebody, when you know you've wounded them in a way. Um, and, and maybe that person isn't, you can't ask for forgiveness anymore. Or, you know, and that's something that you have to, you know, work through with God. And it's, this is a tough, this is tough stuff, okay? This isn't just easy. And I think a lot of times we take forgiveness, love, grace, 
some of these things that they sound simple, but the actual practical like execution of these are really hard. I think we take those and we just kind of like, we kind of just put them to the side. Like, okay, they're kind of there. I'm supposed to forgive. I'm supposed to love. I'm supposed to whatever. We, we just go on with our life and we don't even think about how to engage this in our everyday life and what this looks like. And so what would it look like for us to start thinking about forgiveness more in our relationships? Like, what, what would that look like? Would you be quicker to, to apologize for something? Would, would you be quicker to be like, man, I, that probably hurt you, and I'm sorry. And, and know this, there's people who have used forgiveness as a, as a weapon or have used apologies as a weapon. And so even hearing this, you're like, no, <laughs> no. I'm not, yeah, this, is, this was cool, Sean. We'll check this off as a wasted message, and, you know, hopefully next week we won't talk about this. We all have experiences, right? We know those people who are like, you know, oh, I'm so sorry. I, I won't do that again. And what do they do? They, they do it again. And so the idea of even asking for forgiveness or the idea of forgiving somebody is just, you're just, like, opposed to it completely. And so I'd ask you this. Like, again, seek God in this. Think about the grace that God has given you and ask that, that we, us, can start seeing others in that same light. Because as that last point says, I truly believe that us forgiving others is, is reflected in, in God's grace to us. Us recognizing God's grace in our lives, we can then begin to give grace to other people, see them as God sees them. And it's not easy. It hurts sometimes, it's hard, it's a process. Going back to week one, we talked about it's this process that we're in of becoming more like Christ. And we see God is the ultimate in forgiveness. The ultimate in forgiveness. Can we do that? Can we be a church that leads with forgiveness? A church that leads with humility? This week, if, if there's someone that you know you've hurt, maybe go to them. Not expecting an apology or expecting forgiveness or not expecting anything other than knowing, you know, I should, I should probably do that. And if somebody comes to you and says, hey, you, you hurt me, maybe we can become better at listening and being willing to say, I'm sorry. So whether you're in the, the forgiving seat of having to give someone forgiveness or whether you're in the seat of having to offer, you know, that in return, like, we're going to need God's help. But I think for me, when I think about it, I want to know that I'm around people that when I screw up, there's grace there. Like, if, if I'm just thinking really practically, like, I know I'm going to screw up. There's going to be times where I mess up the Lord's prayer, right? I know that's unforgivable. Actually, it's not scriptural, so it's not, but there's grace for that too. But I want to be around people that I know 
that I know that if I hurt them, that, that, there, can, that there can be forgiveness and, and we can work through that. And that takes time and that takes God's help. But that's what, I, that's what I'd love to see. I'd love to see people who, who get into our community and say, you know what, I know that even if I screwed up that, that you guys would forgive and you guys would help. And, and this is not, again, I don't wanna minimize this and maybe I should just stop and we should sing the last song. But like, I don't wanna minimize this message because it's so complex and it's deep and there's emotions and there's past and there's trauma. There's, there's so many layers to this but it's close to God's heart. And so if it's close to God's heart, then I wanna engage in it, okay? And I want us to be humble enough and care enough to say, you know what, forgiveness should be a part of my Christian walk. And God, I'm gonna need your help in it. And I think if, if we can get to that point, then I think we can see some of our relationships deepen. I think that people are gonna notice I think those people are gonna be surprised by the way that we forgive. And I think some of us just need that. Some of us need somebody who, who can lead a healthy relationship because a lot of us haven't had good examples of that. And so just as I may hurt someone, I pray that I may be quick to forgive as well. Let's pray. God, I, I know that I'm very limited in, well, many things, God, but I, I know that in a room that is with this many people and those potentially watching, there's so many layers, there's so many stories, there's so many just life events, God, that it's, it's hard to, 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 to work through all of it. And so, God, I pray that this message on forgiveness, it's not a it's not just trite or it's not something that's just simple and say, oh, just forgive. But God, I pray that we, all of us together, me and myself included, that we would lean into you and into your help of what forgiveness looks like and that we would begin to make that a component of our relationships. Because we know that we're bound to do some things that we don't wanna do and other people are bound to do things against us. And I pray that, that we would be able to work through that and we would be able to have a heart of forgiveness because of your heart of forgiveness for us, because of the grace that you have given to us. We know we need you. We know this is hard. We know this is messy and not always clean and easy, God, but we need you. So I pray that you would be with us, that we'd feel your presence, that you would guide us and give us wisdom in these circumstances, not to be trampled over, not to excuse what has happened, not to become a, do a doormat, a rug to be trampled on God, but that, that we would practice forgiveness in, in your heart and that we would be able to see the fruit and the health and the goodness from that. God, we need you. That's your name we pray. Amen. Well, we got through that one. Forgiveness isn't easy. And if I offended you today by anything that I said or you felt minimized,